He is a 10-time Bassmaster Classic qualifier. He is an 8-time Bassmaster winner. He is the 2022 Bassmaster Classic champion. One of the most feared names in professional bass fishing from Dry Creek, Oklahoma. Jason Christie joins me this week on... I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Well, we are doing this again. Welcome one. Welcome all friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks, and especially you humpers. You're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. Welcome into the 146th edition of this particular podcast, and I hope you are all having a great week. Happy hump day to each and every one of you. And what we learned last week on the roll call is, is, is you guys spread far and wide. Unbelievable the amount of people in the roll call that just said, yeah, all I want to ask is where you're from. I mean, we have people, it seems like a huge amount of people watching in Texas. Um, so thank you. People watching all around the United States, even a few in Canada. But we got people watching in South Africa, in Zimbabwe. We got people watching in London, England. I thank you all. It is incredible that this little show has grown to a stage that, that people in other countries are, are watching this and listening to my tomfoolery, and I thank each and every one of you for that. Um, this, this show, I, I mean, let's be honest. My life is ridiculous. The things that I've been able to do... <laughs> and get to do on, on a weekly basis is stupid. I mean, I am so thankful for each and every one of them, but this show is one of the most rewarding things that I get to do. And the reason it's, I've always told you guys from the start, I've always said, I promised you one thing on this show. I said, all I can guarantee you is every episode may be different. It may change, it may not, but it's just gonna be real conversations with real friends. And if you look at, the way this season has started off, it has been really awesome. Ridiculous support from so many folks that have come on this show. And, and all I ask them to do is just open up and be the real you. And I will say they have been the real you. And you look at all the different shows and how different they are. And I look at last week. I mean, we went from the Johnston brothers who were, you know, right out of slap shot, I mean, and and letter Kenny to Brandon Polnick last week. And that was one of the most motivational, real life shows we've ever done. And when you read through the, if you haven't watched it, you need to. I don't care what your goal is, whether your goal is to quit smoking, your goal is to Lose weight, your goal is to become a Bassmaster Elite Series Pro. It doesn't matter what your goals in life are. If you listen to this show, it'll definitely help you get closer to those goals. So I thank Brandon for being so honest. And I thank all of you that were so honest and open in the comments. The amount of people that said, hey, man, this show came at the exact right time. This happened or that happened in my life. And then along comes this weird fishing podcast that every once in a while... Somebody says something really, really cool on. And I am so thankful for all of you. And I am so thankful 
for all of my friends slash guests that come on here and and just be themselves. So that's all I got for you. I mean, thank you for allowing this show to be what it is. This is a part of the show where I'm supposed to tell you, give it a thumbs up. Make sure you make a comment. Even if it's just a thumbs up, it helps the show. It strokes the algorithm. Um, whether you're watching on streaming services too, you guys watch on streaming services, wherever you're watching, our podcast ratings are going through the roof. And one of those reasons is because you guys are giving us ratings and you guys are giving us reviews. So thank you on that. And I wish I could take you all out for lunch or something like that, but I can't. But what I can do is I can continue to bring on the who's who of the fishing industry. And this week is no different. He's a guy that, man, when he walks through, when you see certain anglers walk through a tournament meeting, it's like, it's like I always call him. He's he's a young Clint Eastwood. Really, he is. I mean, you watch the respect that is showing towards him. I started calling him one of the most feared names in professional angling, not because he threatens people. Maybe, maybe he does at times. He says no, though. But because he is feared. Like when he came to the Elite Series, he was one of those. There's a lot of people that come over and people are like, oh, I'm excited to see so-and-so. He was one of them where people were excited to see him, but they were like, hmm. <laughs> Not real excited that he's going to come here and take some of our treasure. And he has taken a lot of treasure. Um, but he's a great dude. He's somebody who I love to hang out with. And um, I can guarantee you this conversation, it, Lord knows what direction it will go in. But it will be very real. It will be very honest. And I'm going to enjoy each and every minute of it. And I hope you do too. Without further ado... From Dry Creek, Oklahoma, the 2022 Bassmaster Classic champion, Jason Christie. Jason Christie, how are you? I'm great. Great. You great. seem a little distracted. What were you doing there? You, do, do you... There was a message that popped up on the screen that said, are you okay with being recorded? And I had to push yes. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even know that. All right, well. It said your this event is being recorded. Do you accept or not accept? Man, it really would have sucked if you said no. Well, I went for the no, but I got the God accept or accepted it. You've had a busy off season. Got married, you know, finished building your house. Yeah. Yeah. Ready to go fishing. It's been uh course that's been not just the off season that was throughout the whole 2023 fishing season yeah i mean you know i don't this is the first year that i didn't fish a lot i mean when i got home you know it was put the gloves on and go to work there wasn't a lot of fishing and i think the uh standings reflected some of that i'm hoping that that was the issue not that getting old or anything like that it's been a fairly crazy off season for everybody whether they got married or not it, it it has been a somewhat i think maybe the craziest off season i remember in recent history oh maybe five years ago was even crazier i guess but but outside of that i mean are you shocked at how crazy it's gotten what do you mean what do you mean by crazy give me some give me where yeah. you're going this. Well, there's been, I mean, there's been a lot of, a lot of drama. There's been a lot of debates. There's been, I mean, there's just been no shortage of stuff to freaking talk about. 
Yeah. So if you know me, which you do, uh, I try not to get in the drama much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I've always gotten myself into enough trouble that just dealing with what I get into is, is, uh, a full-time job in itself. But, you know, just hearing from, you know, buddies and, and just the people around me, you know, you just, you get that, they shrug on your shirt and like, man, did you hear this? And did you hear that? And it has been, it's been, it's been crazier this off season than it's been. than like you said, than I can remember since. Was it been five years now? Like you yeah. said, five years. God, it's been that long. Yeah. Been a while. Been a while. Why do you think it's been as crazy as that? Do you think it, number one, do you think it really is that crazy or is it literally just the world we're living in that people just got a bitch? <laughs> I think, I think that we are living in that world. I think that, and I hope that you know where I'm going with this. I think that people are trying to figure out a way to have a place. You know what I mean? And I think that there's, you know, there's different avenues that you can go down to get to that place. And some people are taking this avenue because they gain a lot of attention, um, you know, which there's been a lot of guys fishing for that have made a living on that. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. I just think that everybody, like, what, 10 years ago, eight years ago, there was one path that everybody took in the elite series for the most part. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now some people are like, well, maybe that path is not for me, or maybe there's too many people traveling that path. So I'm going to take this path and, you know, I, I guess it's working out for some, but it has been crazy. And you know, I've heard a lot of different things and, you know, I'm not one to come in and watch, to get on social and spend all night on social or YouTube or something like that. It's a lot of what I hear is, is through my buddies and friends and even sponsors, you know, I've had sponsors call me. It's like, dude, have you heard this or have you heard that? I just try to, I try to stay out of it, but it's, it is frustrating. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I, whenever I started fishing, there was, I don't know, there wasn't really guidelines, but, uh, there kind of was guidelines. This is this is how you went. This is how you went about your business, and this is how you need to. This is how you need to go about it, and it's just not that way anymore. So no, you agree or disagree? Oh, I know. I totally agree. I think that there's. I think that there's more pro anglers than there's ever been in history, and and, and it seems more coming. What? Okay. What did you just say? What's that? What's the first thing that you said on that? There's more pro anglers than how there's many ever. Have? How many do we have? No, how many? How many pro anglers is out there? Oh, hundreds. If I mean, well, you've got a hundred here, basically a hundred at MLF. You got another hundred at NPFL. Another hundred. I mean, there has to be five, six, seven hundred. Like when you start adding it up, okay, then you got the opens, which is another two hundred. Yeah. Are we have we reached the point that there's too many people trying to make a living? 
that's what I'm saying is that avenue that we've all taken for a lot of years, I think is full. You know, it, it went from an old uh, country highway where you had a car here and a car there to it looks like New York City now. And there people are just having to take other avenues. But whatever, whatever works for them works for them. But we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of pro anglers now. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing for the sport long term? Gosh, you you didn't waste much time, did you? No, no. Let's just go. No, <laughs> no I think um, I think it'll all even itself out in time. I think we're just to a point right now where um, there's a lot, you know, with COVID and and the way that things are going, there's a lot of people fishing, and and the way that our sport is you know, there's a lot of avenues to get in and, and you can, you can really get in quickly. You know, I played basketball in college and you had to, you had to work your way, you know, here to there to there to there. And, and the roads just got smaller. The avenues got tighter as you got to the goal. And now it seems like bass fishing, it's broad. I mean, you can, you got high school, you got college, you got the opens. I mean, you think about this, you can take a dude that's 40 years old and I'm just, I don't, I don't have anybody in mind. You can take a dude that's 40 years old, that's built houses his entire career. And all of a sudden he says, you know, I want to go fish and try to qualify for the elites. He can get in the opens, fish the opens one year, say he has a good year, qualify. That dude went from building houses to fishing on the elite series in one year. You can't do that in basketball. You can't yeah. do that in football. You can't do it in any, really any other golf. You really can't do that in any other sport than bass fishing. So there's just a lot of people right now. And I think, you know, the positive side, the way that I want to look at it is our sport is so good right now that there's so many people that are trying to get in there. That's, that's the way that I want to look at it, you know. I think, yeah. I mean, I think that's the way you have to look at it. If, if you're in your line of work, do you think long-term things need to change where you mentioned other sports? I mean, the reason you can't do that in one year in those other sports is because there is levels, but in fishing, there's always, there's always been pseudo levels, but you can skip a whole bunch of levels (laughs) if you have a good season and, and maybe you're not ready. Do you think, Let's just imagine 10 years from now, 15 years. Do you think we'll see this sport evolve where that isn't a possibility to get in within one year? I don't know. That's hard to say. This this sport has changed so much in five years. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's changed. It's changing more. I mean, everybody looks at live scope and things like that, how much that's changing. You look at, you know, set back and look at the sport uh just bass fishing in general how much it's changing and how quickly it's changing over the years honestly i don't really know what to expect on what we're going to see um in the next five to ten you know years maybe even two to three Uh, i just know right now there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to get there and still you know let's go back to the dude that built houses he gets there in one year 
he may get there, but can he sustain that? You know what I mean? Can he stay there? I think that, you know, the dudes that get there and, and the dudes that, you know, qualify, uh, you know, work their way up. They're the ones that have longevity in the sport. And they're the ones I think that are going to be there for a long time. But dude, we got dudes coming in now that, I mean, they're just, they're what, 18, 19, 25. And they have as much fishing experience. I shouldn't say that they have as much tournament experience at 25 as I did at 35. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they're fishing high school, they're fishing college, they're fishing jackpots, they're fishing all of that stuff. We didn't have those events, you know, whenever I was growing up. Whenever I was growing up, we had, you know, you had the team tournaments, and then it was, this is how it went for me, team tournaments, and then started working into the BFLs, and then you start kind of dabbling outside of your region into some of that coast, uh, you know, that semi-triple-A level. And then you just gradually worked your way up. And and I wouldn't change anything. I think that's the way it should be. Yeah. But it's not that way anymore. You say sponsors have even, you know, looped you in on stuff and said, well, do you think it's an adjustment period for them as well? Because when you look at, I mean, it, that growth, I mean, somebody has to finance that growth. And I mean, and especially with a downturn in the economy that, I mean, is quite evidently happening. And you got a bunch of people trying to go through, you know, it's, it's drinking from a fire hose. Right. What's your take on that? Well, I think, um, you know, one of the things that is, you know, is it's hard to get sponsorship. Yeah. You know, it is. So it's hard. It's hard. It's hard for me uh, to maintain that. I shouldn't say it's hard. I, I That's one of the things every year um, at the beginning of the year, you know, everybody has contracts with these different sponsors and stuff like that. I'm fortunate to be married to somebody who works in that side of the industry. You know what I mean? So I see my side. I see her side. She sees her side and she sees my side. So we, you know, we talk about this, uh, you know, quite often, you know, about what's going on and stuff like that. And one of the things that I always try to do in the beginning of the year, my goal in the beginning year is my contract says I have to do X. Okay. I want to do X plus Y that way at the end of the year, because what, what people may not know is, at the end of every year, these sponsors, they, you know, they have a round table meeting, you know what I mean? And they, they pass, uh, what am I resume, not resumes, but they pass people around. Okay. Because their budgets pretty much are the same year after year, you know, they have to make decisions outside of us. And, and what I want them to do is, okay, when, when my contract passes in front of them, I want them to say, we can't, we can't get rid yeah. of him. I mean, cause he does, he does what the contract says, plus this, plus this. And that's just what I think that some people don't understand is, you know, the industry is growing and has been growing, 
sponsor budgets for the most part have stayed the same. You know what I mean? And I've always kind of, I've always used the pie analogy. You have a pie and this is what, this is the deliverables. This is what you deliver. Well, you know, 10 years ago, pretty much all you had to do was catch bass, right? Yeah. It's not that way anymore. You know, so if you have a really, really good year fishing, then you have delivered a, a good percentage of that pie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you have social media, you have YouTube, you have all, you know, your, your dealership meetings, all of that stuff. If you don't have a good year, then you need to do more in the other portions of the pie. Are you with me? Yeah. That's what, that's kind of what the way I always look at it. So we try to, we try to do this, we try to do that. And then the fishing is just kind of on the side, you know, last year wasn't a great year for me. It wasn't terrible. So we, whenever I have a year that's kind of slow, that's whenever we, you know, we double up on everything else, social media, YouTube, because yeah. end of the year, when that contract passes in front of them, I want them to say, we cannot, and, and get rid of is not a good word. Like they're not even going to question that contract, you know, move on to the next one. That's always been my goal. But to answer your question, you know, the sponsors, they see all of the drama. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know. I'm fortunate enough to be married to one of them. And I hear, I hear some of that. So I try to stay out of the drama as much as I can. What's I, your, like, what's your, what's your take on it? Uh, my, my philosophy on sponsorship in general has, is very similar to yours. I mean, I've always said, I mean, it doesn't involve pies and stuff like that, but what it involves is I'm always like, and I get it. You know, when sponsors have to make cutbacks, most of the times they don't want to. I mean, it, it, let's be honest. They Somebody came into their office and said, you need to take 20% off this budget or, or what whatever that number is. So they have a stack of portfolios that they have to go through and see. And I've always said, as long as you can stay in the top five, and 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 I, I feel like, and that number could be seven, it could be two for some companies, but I'm like, if you can stay, there's always a few that before they make any of those cuts that they're like, well, we can't do that to him because he's done this. We can't do that to her because she's done that and over delivered, you know, people want that. So as long as, I mean, that's what keeps me sane throughout the years of doing this, because as long as you can stay in that top group and, and that only happens by over delivering, like you said, like constantly working constantly, like the investment that you've put into your, your YouTube channel, your social media, all of those things, I mean, none of that existed. Like the, if you look at what a pro has to do today versus 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I mean, 15 years ago was the golden age of bass fishing because literally, like you said, you could just fish. I mean, and if you wanted to do more, you were doing that generally for more. You weren't doing that to survive. Um, so yeah, I agree with you there. My concern with all of the drama and bull crap that's happened is i honestly think the majority of people that love this sport the majority of people that'll be in tulsa and are rabid about this sport watch this podcast those are people that are eat up with it 
they don't give a crap. Like they really don't want to hear about a lot of it. I think they, you know, they deal with crap like that in their offices all day long. Fishing's their release. That's my worry that, that so much of this drama, sure. It gets a bunch of people clicks, but it also pushes a bunch of people away from the sport. Yeah. And if you don't believe that, just think of the last time you watched a labor dispute in football or anything. Like, at no time are you like, you know what? They should give them more. <laughs> I mean. Well, and that's the thing that I'm sitting here. Like, fishing, I have no other thing to say. Is fishing, bass fishing, professional fishing is has, has been great to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Great to my family. I mean, great to my kids, all of that. Like, it's been great to me, but it's just like anything else. You get out of it what you put in. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's just, just because you get to this level or you get to that level, it's not like all of a sudden you just, it starts. You got to work your tail off. It doesn't matter. You think Van Dam sits at home every day and doesn't do anything? No, he works his tail off and he always has. That's why he's what he is. You know what I mean? But I agree with what you said. 10 years ago, my job was to catch bass. Yeah. That was 90% 90 of my job. Five years ago, it's about 60 or 70. Now, I still need to catch bass, but it's, uh, you know, it's the other stuff, the social media, the YouTube and stuff like that. That's what a lot of that is what moves product because that's what a lot of people are watching now. You know what I mean? And that that's what, you know, we try to do when I wake up in the mornings, when we go to bed at night, it's like, you know, did we do this? Did we do that? Making sure that everybody's uh, getting their fair share of what they deserve. I just, you know, not only is bass fishing in general changing everything around, it's changing too. And you can either stay there or you can move with it. So Things are definitely changing. Um, where, I mean, while we're ripping the Band-Aid off, right off the hop here, I mean, where are you at in the technology arms race of angling? I mean, it, it does feel like, I mean, it feels like, I don't even feel like anybody's even debating about forward-facing sonar. Like, there is, sure, there's the debate about it, but it's like, it's just like, well, how are we going to do this? Yeah. And I had a dude comment on, on this podcast a few weeks ago and i thought what he his analogy was perfect he's like at some point are we playing basketball with trampolines like at some like as much stuff as everybody's trying to hang off the boat like is that the right direction or like where are you at with all of that um i'm good with it and the reason i'm good with it is because you know, it has been a have you noticed in the in the bass fishing and in the drama, like all of a sudden something comes out and it peaks, like it it blows up and then yeah. like that it just dies off. There's it's like everybody wants to comment, everybody wants to throw a fit, and then it just kind of dies off. You know, what's happened is, you know, it's just like everything else, it's gonna change. It it is changing, it has changed more in the last three or four years than it has probably in the last 20. It's not going to go anywhere. It, it is what it is. And what 
you know what some people may not remember because i can remember seven or eight years ago you know we're we're on bass live you know whatever and you go hours without a bite you know what i mean because you did you're just casting at a stump or you're casting at this or that um you know the forward-facing sonar live scope has changed it it's gonna it's gonna be that way from now on it's not going anywhere and and the work that we do so you're either gonna jump on it or you're not it's that simple and and to me like like i had a fishing trip today and I'm not going to lie to you, caught the ever-living whatever. I caught the heck out of them. It's just, if without that, I'm not saying, so you're, so some people watching this are going to say, well, you wouldn't have caught anything had you not had that. No, I would have caught something. You know, I told the guy that I fished with today, a good day 10 years ago in the wintertime was if you caught eight or nine. Now I'm mad if I don't catch 25. Well, all it's doing is telling me, you know, where these fish are and how they're acting. It just makes me way, way more efficient. And as a viewer, like if I'm watching Bass Live, I would think that I would want to watch somebody catching bass as opposed to just sitting there and casting and hoping that he gets a bite. You know, and, and to be honest with you, I think the same guys – are going to catch them one way or the other. You know what I mean? I really do. Yeah, I I agree with that. I, th I think that there's a bit of a leveling out period. Like, I think there is an adjustment period where there's, there's going to be people that, I mean, I think we saw it last year. I don't think you can argue when you look at some, I mean, just take the Northern Swing, for example, the big advantage that all those Northern guys had. If you look at the standings, some of them still did good, but some of them didn't have the advantage they once had. And, and I think it's an adjustment period. You know, yeah. you've got some people that embraced that early and, and some that didn't, um, is there but any, I want to go with, with what you just said, like we're having a big tournament on grand Lake in March. Yeah. Right? Real big one. I don't have that advantage that I used to have because of that. You know what I mean? So I go north 25 hours from the house. I can fish on the same level as those guys up there because of what I have. Those guys that come down here, I don't have that same advantage. You know what I mean? On that lake, because it's, because it's just not. Like everybody's even playing field. And what's going to happen, what you're going to see, is there's going to be a point where there's going to be so many guys out there looking at their screen that the bank is going to be wide open. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that's where you got to kind of be able to balance it out, but it's not going anywhere. And, and I, I've thought, actually thought about this a lot. If I were to go out fishing tomorrow and, and not even say that there was a rule that I couldn't cast at a bass, but I could just see how they were acting and, and how they were setting up like that. That wouldn't be much fun. That'd be like the old school catching six or seven in a full day. Yeah. I, I definitely think fish adapt to everything, you know, yeah. it, I mean, everything and, and whether it be electronics, whether it be 
invasive species. I mean, zebra mussels were supposed to kill the Great Lakes. Gobies were supposed to destroy the Great Lakes. You know, at one time you could drop under every, every time you saw a fish on the Great Lakes, you could drop and probably catch them 80% of the time. Well, that 80 has dropped to 20 now, unless it's a, a really firecracker day. So I believe they, they will change. Have you seen any signs of, of the fish reacting to it differently? You know, it's, it's hard. I actually thought about that today out fishing. So I, you know, I was 60, 80 feet from a brush pile and I scan across it. And when I lock onto it, I see the fish, you know, start, start moving, start swimming, but it's hard to know, uh, because it's because bass fishing is not a controlled environment. You don't have the same scenario from brush pile to brush pile yeah. or from to ledge. Um, you know, I've been a firm believer. I've said this as long as I've fished and my marshals know this, my co-anglers that I had, you know, a long time ago, that was one of the things, if I had one rule in my boat, it was, Hey, we're going to be quiet. And I don't mean not talking. I mean, you don't, you know, slam rods down because I, you know, from a kid, I believed that these fish could know you're around. I think that they're just um, becoming more aware. I mean, you think about a bass sitting in a brush pile. He's sitting there or a school of bass. And they, for years and years, they felt that, you know, that boat presence being around. And all of a sudden, that boat, they feel that boat presence. And then there's a bait. They get caught. I think it's more so that than live scope you know they're they're relating the the presence of the boat uh fishing pressure uh i think that's the thing because five years ago 10 i should say 10 years ago they'd be sitting there and a lot of times they'd be safe because even though they feel the boat being around there was nothing um you know there was no bait that really got in their house now you know they feel the boat boom because we've had sonar for I mean, 20 years ago, the same sonar was shooting straight down and you were able to drop right on them, right? So I don't know that it's actually the sonar. I just think it's, you know, it's the boat, it's the fishing pressure. People are making the same casts. You know, a lot of these fish that used to swim around in the middle, they never got caught. Yeah. You know, that's my take on it. And there's a case to be made for when you say that, like there's a real strong case to be made where people are like, oh, this is going to destroy things. Well, maybe we're just equaling out the pressure that like maybe if we never had it and we all just stayed on shore doing what we're doing, there's a group of fish that, you know what I mean? Isn't the right group to, I mean, I know love people like to me. Well, the fish need a chance to rest and swim and they're not in an act of, they don't think like that. They're not Disney characters. It's not Nemo. Uh, you know, I th so I think that it, it will equal out. And um, so today, just... so today was, I told you, was one of the best fishing days I've had in a very long time. I caught 40% that I casted to. You know what I mean? They chose, they, they chose, there was a lot, there was 60% that chose not to bite my bait. Was it because they'd been caught? Was it because of my bait wasn't the right color, whatever? But they chose not to bite it. And today was a good day, and I caught 40%. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not like you see one, you cast him, he's caught un unwillingly. 
and he goes in the boat. No, he's he's swimming out there. You know what I mean? He chose. There was a bunch of them, a lot of them today, that chose not to bite my bait. But there was a good many that came into the boat. How much do you hate those ones that choose not to bite your bait? I don't know. I just, <laughs> my excuse is, like, I had a buddy with me today, and I'd cast, and, you know, I work the bait, and they, they turn it down, and I'm like, it's not a bass. It's a carp. That's all, That's always my excuse. <laughs> So. A lot of carp, a lot of carp. <laughs> Fish down 50% carp today. <laughs> that little derby you spoke of in March, how much have you been obsessed by that? I don't know. We've, we've, uh, Shannon and I have had a lot of talks. You know, the year last year, it was, it was just a struggle the entire year trying to stay up in the classic cut and stuff. And, you know, I slid in luckily at the end and i just i just felt like with the way that 2023 transpired that that i wasn't meant to be in the classic and and gosh when i was driving home and uh i got the phone call that i was in it was it just i just immediately went to work i got the phone call that i was in i immediately called like the next 30 seconds I called the sponsor and I was like this is what I have to have for grand I need this I need this and I need this and uh he was like all right you know we'll get it going but I'm pretty obsessed you know obsessed with it the only thing that's kind of kept me mellow is the time that we're going is it could be it could be anything so isn't it like the third week of March March yeah 25th like i i have fished on that lake a bunch that time of year that week i've caught them sight fishing i've caught them pre-spawn i've caught them dead winter pattern so there's just so many different things and you know i never go pre-practice for anything and i actually went up there because it's so close and because i have not fished there since we fished the last classic there Cause it's, you know, it's just far enough from my house. It's like an hour 20. It's just far enough that it's not uh, convenient to go just on a fishing day. Uh, but I spent, you know, quite a bit of time up there looking around and, and idling. And, but once that was over, you know, I just, I just haven't thought about it much because, you know, you start trying to build a plan of, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You, a guy's going to have to wait until we get a lot closer you know, we just had, what, 10 days of, you know, teens, single digits and stuff like that. And and it's all going to depend on this next, what, two months to even have a clue what's going on. So obsessed to a point, but uh, just kind of sitting back, going to wait and see what. I will say this with them moving it to that week, because we previously have been a week or two earlier, right? Yeah. Once, once we, I think in 13, we were actually at the end of February. I, yeah. I think we've been early March end of February. This is the latest we've ever had. it. That's going to be the best week of fishing. Of just like, you know what I mean? Like if I had to pick, if, if some, if my best friend called me and said, I want you to pick one week for me to go to Grand Lake, 
and just fish and catch fish and catch big ones, I would pick that week. And that's what, that's what scares me a little bit. You know what I mean? Cause we've always been there earlier where fishing has been tougher. It's not going to be the case this time. Fishing will be a lot better. Will you tell me that list of things you asked your sponsor to send you? Yeah, I'll tell you right after the classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, it's, it's just, you know, going back to this, I, I work with cool people, you know, I work, yeah. with, I work with people that understand what this is all about. And, and they were like, absolutely, you know, and, and I actually threw up one of those baits today, making sure everything's, it's just, I work with good people. Is that one of the coolest things about the sport that I think, I think in your head, you don't really even think about when you're chasing the dream. Like one day I'm going to fish for a living. I'm going to win the classic. But the, one of the coolest things has got to be that relationship with your partners that, you know, it really, it's not a team sport, but it does feel like a team sport. And that feeling of, of designing baits of actually, you know, putting your blueprint on the sport, you know, is that to you, one of the coolest things? It's just, I, you said that I got goosebumps. That's what, that's how much it means to me is, is the people that, and that's what puts pressure on me throughout the year, you know, and, and in the classic is, and if there was one thing that was the most rewarding on winning the classic, it was watching the sponsors around me, you know, be happy and, and, you know, the, everything pay off for them. But, you know, it's cool that, all of the sponsors that I have, there's not a single one that I wouldn't invite over for dinner. And they, you know, they would sit here all night, have dinner. You know, there's some of the sponsors I have, and I'm married to one, but some of the sponsors. That's a that very I, close relationship with yeah, that partner. Some of the sponsors I have, I mean, we're, we're close friends. I mean, there'll be a, there'll be life events that happen to me. I'll call them, ask for advice, not only professionally, but, but personal, you know, advice and the same way with them. So it's just, uh, I, I think that's why you've, I've switched sponsors very little over the years. Um, just because it's the, it's the relationships that you build. It's the loyalty that you have with those guys, uh, and gals that, I mean, that's what makes it fun. And like you say, you you have an idea and then you develop a bait and then you go out and you win an event on it or you win the classic on it. And it just, you just, everybody has smiles all around you. And that's, that's what makes it uh, worth it really. Yeah. And I mean, they've seen you go through so many, you know, so many, and it's not, I don't mean you specifically, but. I think that's the amazing, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but that moment on stage when you won the classic, I mean, it was a relief that you won the tournament, but it was also like, man, I don't got to hug so-and-so and to hear them say, oh, next time, you know, it's, it's that, it's a very, I, it's, I think it's one of the things that people get wrong in the public too, where people will be like, well, they just jump around to whoever give them $5,000 more. And yeah, there's sponsor hopping dudes out there, but very, very, I mean, and anytime 
most of the people I know, anytime they've made a sponsor change, it has been a rough thing to do. Like it's not, and not just a job, because like you said, that you have such a close relationship with all those people. Yeah. I lose sleep on really two things. One is something that involves my kids and something that involves sponsors. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just, that's the two things that, I mean, you make decisions around those two. Not only do they affect you that day, they affect you next week, next month and next year. So, you know, I, any kind of sponsor decision or, you know, anything with the kids or the family, it takes a lot of thought and it's, 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 how does it affect me next year? How does it affect me in five years? How do you feel going into this classic? Obviously, you're going to have a lot. I mean, you won't be able to go to the grocery store or anywhere without people talking to you about it. Do you have a different plan or a different outlook on how to attack that or how to deal with that? One of the things, you know, I, like I said, I spent six or seven days up there. They were long days, daylight till dark. Um, just graphing and looking. And every time I would get tired of it, you know, I'd want to stand up and fish or I'd want to go home. I would just think about the 2016 classic where, you know, there was a lot of spectators and I was like, I, you know, I just kept telling myself, I cannot find too much stuff, you know? So the goal going into the event, going into March, it's going to be, you know, I've told myself, I got to fish something different every day. I'm not going to be able to fish the same thing. I'm going to fish something different to be, if I'm going to have a chance to win uh, the event. The cool thing about this classic is it's different than a lot of the others because I got a trophy out there in the shop. You know, it takes a little bit of, it takes a little bit of the pressure off. Now, if we were going to, you know, Alabama or Tennessee or something like that, I, I could, I could stroll in and be like, eh, you know, this is, I've already won one, but the problem is it's that grand, you know, we weigh in in Tulsa. There's a lot of people, there's going to be a lot of people that I know sponsors, all of those people are going to be there. So it kind of does elevate the pressure a little bit, but going into it, as far as, you know, a plan for fishing, it's just, just go do work, go, go do what I got to do. But, and all the time I spent up there, it was, that was my everything. Every time I would just tell myself, you cannot find too much stuff because you may literally have to fish something different. I may only get to fish everything once. Yeah. throughout the yeah. You know, and that depends on, you know, we get water like we did in 2016 that's not a possibility, but if the, everything stays like it is now and it's stable, the water's good, then I'm going to have to fish something different. I'm not going to be able to fish the same stuff twice. Do you think it's been heading that way for, I mean, I look at, and I've kind of thought that for a while that like the classic specifically, if you look at, it is so rare. I mean, Gussie went wire to wire last year. But that is so, I mean, generally it doesn't go wire to wire because 
of all, you know, boat traffic, just so many things involved. There is a, you know, and that's one thing about the classic, the time of year. It's, it's usually like, if I can, if I want to put money on one thing at the classic, every classic that I've ever fished, I have fished. And I'm talking practice through the end of competition. I've either started with a short sleeve shirt and finished with bibs or I've started with bibs and finished with a short sleeve shirt, which means that throughout that event, the weather's changing, the water's changing, all of that stuff. And you know what Gussie did, like you said, is, is, is crazy, but uh, it's just, it's, it's just, we have it in a time where it's transitioning, everything's moving. It's just hard to do it. And you know, what I've noticed is over the years is, you know, Gussie wanted on one bait. Like I, I don't remember the last time somebody's won it just on one. You know what I mean? No, no. So you got to be, you know, and, that, and that's, that's what's kind of cool about it is you got to make some adjustments throughout the event to be able to win it. You know, and Gussie made some adjustments, you know, throughout that event. He had to because he had so many people fishing around where, you know, he actually wanted to fish. So he had to make some adjustments and he did the right thing. But it's just hard to do that, you know, win it on one or even two baits. Sometimes you got to change throughout the event. With you guys rooming together. Was there ever a moment last year that you guys were like, this is ridiculous. I mean, I won it last year. I handed the trophy off to you. I mean, let's keep this rolling. I just hope that he hands it off again this year. And I hope that he, I hope that he hands it to me or, or, uh, has anybody, yeah, I guess Jordan handed it off to himself. Some other guys have handed, but hopefully he hands it off to me and then I can hand it off back off to him. But, uh, you know, we don't, we really don't talk about that kind of stuff a lot. You know what? One thing that it, and it actually bit me several times this year. We have a we have a little deal, Gussie and I. And I was the one that came up with it because it's the same thing that Edwin and I did. So we rent the VRBOs and stuff like that. Well, you always in the VRBOs you have a master bedroom, and then you have a kids' bedroom usually, and then you have I don't know, like the the dog's house. <laughs> Some of these houses only have two. So we were always struggling when we went to these houses on, well, who got the the nice bedroom? So I told Gussie, I was like, well, this is how we'll do it. Whoever finishes higher in the previous event gets to pick their bedroom uh, that they get to sleep in. So it's funny, you know, back whenever Edwin and I was doing it, it was just me and Edwin. It wasn't that big a deal, but. You know, we'll be driving and Shannon's like, you got to catch them this week because I don't want to stay in the dog's bedroom. Next week. <laughs> but he's, you know, he's been, he's been a lot of fun to, uh, to room with. He and I get, and it's, it may be weird. It may seem weird to a lot of people, but he and I get along really good. I like the heck out of him. Shanna and Shelby get along really good. Um, we, you've been over for dinner. We've, they, yeah. they, they know how to cook some food, so uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun staying with those guys. How important is that on, on the road that you, that you have that, you, you know, you guys are away from home so much. You got to have that home feeling. Yeah. 
it, and it's just the norm you know you go you go to different places all across the country the houses are different the lakes are different there's there's that norm you know that gussie's gonna be gussie shelby's gonna be shelby and, and you you kind of become pretty close you know what i mean yeah. i mean and and uh you know gussie helped me a lot through last year i mean there was times you know like at champlain literally i just i was like dude i'm i'm not getting it i like i'm not getting it at all and and you know he helps me and and i hope that there's times that i help him i'm not sure but you Pretty know the sure way that is a lot different than Gussie. Gussie's usually fit, fishing around the mega school. Like he's one of the just instinctive, like it seems like he can figure it out in, in just a little bit. It takes me a lot longer. So I'm just hoping that I can help him as much as, as uh, he helped me, especially this past year. Outside of a, a living, outside of your job, your occupation, what does, what does fishing give you just peace you know i'm one of the dudes that i can't drive i i cannot drive off the hill and go fishing if if there's anything that needs to be done you know what i mean like if the yard needs if the house is being built like i can't go fishing because when i get out there that's all i think about is what needs to be done but like today when everything's done and I go out there and I get on the water, it's just, it's just, it's just peace. You know what I mean? It just puts me back to like just fishing today, you know, you fish down a stretch and you think about, you know, my uncle brought me here. I fished with my dad there. I fished with my mom here. Uh, you know, I caught them on that. I caught them on, I just caught one on this bait that, I develop, it just gives me, it just gives me peace. Like it, when I get home, it's, it just makes, I think it makes me a easier person to get along with. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got a, I mean, I don't know about your house, but there's times when Sarah will tell me you need to go fishing because, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because I need some therapy. <laughs> yeah, fishing or deer hunting. They're both kind of the same. You know, when I get out there, it's just, I don't know. It's, like today, I looked at my phone twice, maybe the entire day, and just it's just it's just peace. I always call you one of the most feared men in professional angling. But mm -hmm. what what are you scared of anything? Like, do you have any fears? I don't mean fishing wise. I just mean anything in life. Shannon just laughed at your question. Yeah, really deep. yeah shannon's like you're getting really deep on this um just that my first thought is is anything like anything that comes in the bubble around my people you know what i mean my kids my wife my friends my mom my dad that's anything in there that's you know, every time my kids, my kids don't know it, but, you know, I, when I wake up in the morning, I go to bed at night. It's like, you know, you look at their location, make sure they're home, make sure, 
that's that's the only that really the only thing that that bothers me. So no, no, like you're not scared of snakes or heights. Or... Oh, I, yeah, snakes. I'm I'm not a fan of snakes, but heights. Like I hunt in the very tops of the trees, the very tops of the trees. I'm not scared of heights a bit. Uh, snakes is a snakes is a, so at lay the day before I caught the nine pounder, I was swimming a jig in the grass. And I didn't know this. I'm pretty good about being organized and having, you know, knowing what the inventory is. Well, I reach in there and I was swimming a white jig with a white craw chunk on the back. And I just reach in and I grab a craw chunk and it's the last one. You know how it is fishing when you grab the last bait and you're like the second day deep in a tournament. And I'm swimming the jig and I actually, I'm just, I'm coming through the weeds and I come over. And I, I thought it was a stick and it was a snake and I hook it. Yeah. I get it into the side of the boat and it's one of them things I thought, and this is how much bass fishing means to me. I thought, okay, I'm scared of this thing. I don't want it in the boat, but that is my last, this is my last chunk, you know? So I actually <laughs> got the snake into the boat and I was careful with him, pulled my jig out so I could save my chunk and then let the snake go. That was a big bridge for me to cross. A big bridge. But I don't, that's one thing I don't like snakes. I did a show with Zona once and he did a snake trick on me and I'm still, he still has one coming. Come on, what did he do? We were fishing uh, down here shooting a show and we got in the back of a creek that I've seen hundreds of cottonmouths in and I was up there on camera and he takes his rod and just kind of rubs it up the side of my leg. Son, I jumped like six foot on the front of that boat and I threatened every one of them, Zona, the cameraman, everybody in the next boat. I was like, you do that again and and uh, you're going to be walking home. So I don't like snakes. That's the only thing. I feel you there. I mean, but it just seems to make more sense for me. I'm from Canada. You're, you're in a bad part of the world to be scared of snakes. Are you not? Yeah, I, I am. <laughs> snakes in the bubble. So on the snake story, I got a cool one. I don't know that I've ever told this. I don't remember where we were at. I don't know if it was, it wasn't Ontario. It wasn't Erie. What's the next great lake over there? We had a, we've had a angler. You're on. Not here on the next one. Uh, Lake had, Michigan. So we had an angler of the year championship over there. In yeah. Some Escanaba, wasn't it? Okay, I think that's where it was at. Yeah. I leave snake country. I live in snake country. And I get up there and, you know, I put it on this bay that I've never been to before. And I run up. Well, there's an island out there. The island is a mile and a half, two miles from mainland. Okay. And between the island and the mainland was like a, just a big flat. Okay, like 20 foot deep, perfect smallmouth. You know, you think about it. Well, I'm out there fishing on this flat and it's just flat calm. And I look up and there's a snake swimming across. And he, he's, he's like looking at him. He's in the middle of nowhere, but he's, you can tell he's going somewhere. Okay, he's pointed toward this island. So I, as I start kind of easing over there, I look underneath him 
this is right when panoptics came out. I look underneath him, and there's like two giant smallmouth swimming, just swimming right underneath him. So I cast, and I catch one. I miss like a five. This is in practice. I catch like a five pounder, and I'm reeling it in. And as I'm reeling in, it scares the snake. The snake goes over and gets in the jack plate. All right. And so I'm on, I'm in the middle of this bay. I forgot what, what you even called it. The snake is, is trying to get in the boat. I got a five pounder. I get the five pounder off. I get the snake out of the boat and we're done. I fish around five minutes later. I look up, here comes another snake headed in the same direction towards this island. I look underneath it, two or three big smallmouth. Mercer, that happened seven or eight times in an hour. These snakes were going from, for some reason, going from the mainland to the island. And every time one would come by, they would have two or three big smallmouth swimming underneath it. What were they doing? Like, do you think the smallmouth were trying to eat it or they were just they, they, never, they never came up. They would just be swimming like 15 foot deep. I, I mean, you always hear of the smallmouth swimming in the shade of your boat where they just, I mean, you know how a smallmouth is. He's curious. Inquisitive. He just, but every single one of those snakes that was headed to that island had two or three big smallmouth swimming underneath them. Wow. But... Every that snake is in the middle of you might as well call it the ocean. Yeah. Every time I hooked one, that snake, every time I hooked a smallmouth, those snakes would try to get in the boat. Wow. Yeah. Because they had, you know, they got scared. There was nowhere else for them to go. So ask me if I fished there in a tournament. I'm assuming no. I'm assuming you're right. No. I was remember Doug Hannon had that snake lure. It was yeah. like it, I always thought that was so full of crap, but it turns out maybe, maybe that that was yeah. a real deal. So you've never seen that up there? No, no, I've never. I mean, I try to stay away from snakes. Um, one time, I'll tell you a snake story while we're sharing snake stories. So we rent a house down in. You're thirsty again. I know that look. I've done podcasts with you before. <laughs> um, so we, we rent a house in Orlando. And we're taking our kids to Disney. My wife's going to kill me for telling this story. Um, but that just only means it's a good story. So we rent a house in Orlando and it's in like a new development. Like they've just built these houses, whatever. But I, so we, you know, we're dumb Canadians and I'm reading the rental book the night before. And it's like, there's 38 different poisonous snakes. Don't mess with any of them around here. If you see any in the, in the yard or whatever. So I just read through it all. And I was like, you know, and I'm deathly scared of snakes. So anyways, the next morning, Sarah's in the shower and I, I'm laying in bed and, and she says, uh, honey, there's a snake in here. And me being the idiot I am, I'm like, no, baby, the snake's over here. <laughs> and she says, no, no, there's a snake. And you know what? You can tell panic in somebody's voice. So it had those sliding doors, like, you know, the sliding mirrored doors or whatever. And I guess there was a snake that lived in or was there. And then when the hot, the steam or whatever, so the snake started coming out. So she is in the shower 
wearing what you wear in the shower and there is this snake and and I come in there and I look at the snake and it looks like every one of those poisonous snakes I saw in the, in the book and I'm like honey you just got to make a break for it there's <laughs> no sense of both of us dying That's so right. she so she kind of ran out and obviously you know didn't get bit by the snake but we called like the home association and they came back and and said they dealt with it while we were at Disney I don't know if they ever did but I swear to you from this day forth like this was this was 12 13 years ago every day at time i check into a hotel a rental house or anything in any part of the world where there is poisonous snakes i literally have to lift all the blankets uh, like there's no you know how they tuck them in, in a hotel there's no way i'm sleeping in that without lifting all the blankets looking under all the pillows i pull the shower doors back yeah no snakes are snakes are no fun but um we do the same thing at a lot of hotels and VRBO. Sometimes we're looking for snakes. Sometimes we're looking for something else. But good thing is we haven't found any of that stuff yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, dude, I don't like them. Like it's, I'm fine if I see them way out there, but I do not like them. Yeah. I, I think you're weird if you like them. Yeah. I would have caught 25, 30 pounds of smallmouth if I'd have went there and fished as long as the snakes were swimming. I chose not because every time I caught a smallmouth, that snake would get in the boat. So when you started freaking out and so are you as scared of them? Like the Zona story you told me where you started yelling at the whole crew, were you in control of yourself at that moment? Cause I feel I'm so scared that it, like I'll punch my best friend in the mouth just for messing with me with that. If Shannon were to throw a snake on me, same, the same thing. Like not good. That, and that's weird because, you know, scorpions, anything else. I mean, we have bears that come in the yard. Don't bother me. There's just something, there's just something about a snake that I don't like one bit. More about gators. You okay with gators? I'm fine with gators. Gators don't bother me. Yeah. But we always, you know, whenever you see a gator, you're in a boat. Yeah. So they don't, they don't bother me one bit. Yeah. Well, I don't like them, but I admit, but I agree with you. I'm not scared of them. Like I, you know, I mean, I just every once in a while when I'm surrounded by them, I'm like, these are real life. That's what it, it's an aquatic T-Rex. Look at it. It's a short legged T-Rex. Um, yeah, just growing up where I grew up, you know, we, you see, you, we don't, I mean, it's not like I see one every day or every week, but you see just enough to keep you, you know, on the lookout. So. Yeah. I've just had some bad experiences over the years with them. I just, whenever I least expect it, they show up. You, you've, ne you've never been bit by one, have you? Uh, my mom has been bit by one. Really? Maybe that's where the fear has come from. So she was bit as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's no fun. Yeah. Something you said earlier, you said you started to think last year that maybe you just weren't meant to make the classic. Do you? believe like do you believe that there's you're meant to do certain th things and you're and you're not meant to do certain things yeah i am there's just been i mean there's been things over the years happen that uh and and you're one that that would understand this you know you go and I, this is just the first thing that flies out so you go to the 2016 classic edwin beat me 
All right, but it you know it, it created a lot of uh, I don't know what the word is. I didn't like it. And then you go to the next classic at Hartwell. You know, Jordan win. Jordan wins. I just think that was the way it was supposed to be to make the next classic yeah. turn out like it did. You know what I mean? Because I feel like if if I win in 2016 or if, you know, I catch five when Jordan wins, I just don't think that I would have appreciated it like I did after those two things happened. And then it's not just about fishing, just in life in general. I just think that, you know, I try to tell my kids that if it's if it's meant to be then then as long as you're working hard you know what i mean yeah you're working i just think that if it's meant to be it's going to be meant to be and that's how last year was like i worked my tail off out there fishing but the problem was i'm one of those guys that i need to be fishing even during the season when i get home it just it kind of just keeps the everything greased up and Last year, I didn't do a lot of that. I mean, when I did come home, you know, we would go to the lake and and get content and stuff for sponsors, but I wasn't out there fishing. Yeah. And it, it felt like, you know, if it was hard to get a bite. It was really hard to get a big bite. And when I got a big bite, I would lose it. And it, I think it was just because I wasn't fishing. So I just, yeah, firm believer. If it's meant to be, it'll happen. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's funny because and I probably told it to you when when you lost those classics. And you know, I probably said it, you know, this is building towards something. And I know when I say that to people, they look at me and they're just like, whatever. You know, because at that time that you don't there's nothing anybody can say to make you feel better. I mean, and you went through, dude. I mean, you didn't just have classics that that didn't end out your way, but you had some weird situations happen you know the edwin situation with the dude yelling at you from shore and stuff like that like and then i mean there was there was those felt like they were meant to be your classic until that last day i don't know it was all set up for i still believe the perfect ending and that's just uh you know the hartwell classic in my mind, you couldn't have scripted it any better yeah. for me to appreciate it, for the people around me to appreciate it. Because the way the last day of the classic started that I won, I guarantee you that a lot of people around me was like, oh, gosh, not again. Here we go again. You know, and it just, I don't know, it was just the perfect ending. You know, there was a lot of things that that actually went bad on the last day but at the end of it 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 all worked out like it was uh like it was supposed to i think it's not just for you but it's it's for i mean i don't think you get the reaction that you got from winning like we talked about it there was people literally crying people that you've probably never met that, that they're fans of you and i look out in the crowd and they are crying when you won I'm going to tell you this, and he told me this to his face. Jacob Peroznik, like, called me after, and you and I know him well. Yeah. Like, he called me after, you know, a couple of weeks after I won, and uh, he told me, he's like, dude, he goes, I, I cried like a baby when you won. But I think also that, that you know, 
all of that stuff, what if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. All of that stuff, like the 2016, the Hartwell Classic, the first one, all of that stuff helped build my brand. Yeah. Because a lot of people that related to a lot of that stuff. And they were like, gosh, how can, you know, gosh, this it can't happen again. You know, I was kind of that that dude that a lot of people, I don't know any other word, but kind of felt sorry for. And then all of a sudden, you know, they they kind of aboard your ship. And then, in, you know, the last classic that I was able to win, a lot of those people were were rooting for me. So, yeah, when Prosnick calls you and says that he broke down, I think it meant a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, it was a very cool moment. Did, did those near wins, I don't want to call them losses because it just sounds too bad, but those near wins, did that change your mind at all? Like going into the classic that you won, was there, like, could you just rest in peace? That's the rump. Could you just rest, not rest in peace, but could you could you just settle in your head that, hey, it, it's going to be what it's going to be or or did all those near misses give you something like this year? I'm going to go into it and not do this. No, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I was after the two misses, like it, it was starting to break me down a little bit, you know, because it would be like playing a basketball game and I played the perfect game up until three minutes left in the fourth quarter, and then I lose it. You know what I mean? So, you know, I can remember thinking that the last day at Hartwell when I won, you know, it was like 10 o'clock. And, and it was the only time there was one minute in the last day that it went through my head. It was like, here we go again. You know, it's got something I played good for, four quarter or three quarters and this last quarter is gonna I'm gonna implode but it was just something about that last one it went through my head and I was like I've done this I've been here I have confidence going into what I'm getting ready to do you know it, it was just a different feeling than the other two you know I was it was the same things happened but I I kind of kept the ship pointed in the right direction and I think that uh, if I would have had any other cameraman than Jake, I probably don't win. Really? No. No, it's just because you you feed you you I mean you feel even though the cameraman doesn't say anything to you as far as what people are catching or whatever. But you feel their, you know, your their emotion and stuff like that. And, you know, the first two days I started off and it was just like, it was just fish catch, boom, 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 boom. And then I would spend the rest of the day calling everything. And the last day it didn't work out that way. And we, you know, we leave the starting area like at 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock. And I was starting to feel that. That's when that one minute crossed my mind. And Jake's over there. He's just... He's like, now it's time to go to the docks. And and just watching, I mean, he had more confidence in me than I had in myself, if you know what I mean. Yeah. For one for one minute. 
But after that one minute passed, you know, and I left that pocket with one fish, just, just watching him, you know, being fired up and him having confidence in me. I was like, I've been here. We, you know, we, of course it worked out, you know, it, it would, I wouldn't be able to say here and say that if it didn't, but uh, no, it, it, Jake, he and I, of course, everybody or a lot of people know we shared that classic, but Jake was also my cameraman in the classic that got away. Yeah. So we, you know how guys can bond, but they don't bond, you know? Yeah. We, we, Jake and I have been through a lot. I think that's one of the things that, that I'm lucky enough to see. And, and it's not just Jake. I mean, Jake has a great relationship with you, but there's other camera guys. I mean, when Paul Nick won angle of the year, a couple of years ago, Brian Evie spent half the season fishing with him. And there's a bond between, I just, I just think, I think that, I think that the camera people at Bass are some of the most, everybody says, you know, it's amazing what they do with live and everything, but they're, they're not just camera folks. They're producers. They're, you know what I mean? And they're friends and they're supporters and they, yeah. it, it's a really cool group of people. Um, and I'm not just pulling Jake out. Like they're yeah. all, I've had a lot yeah. of camera that I've won events with. They're all good dudes and they're all great at what they do. And like Brian, Brian's been in my boat a lot and, and I love what he does, but I think what, what made Jake and I close is Jake went, Jake was with me when, when it wasn't good. Yeah. And Jake saw what happens when it's not good. And and then Jake got to see what happens when it is good. Like we've just, a lot of the other camera and you, you know, you experience one thing, Jake and I, Jake, we've been through about everything. Yeah. So we just have a, you know, a special, cameraman to pro angler bond i guess you can call it and i guess it's normal though you've been you know what i mean like you've been through a lot together you know it, it, those are and those are moments that literally your family didn't even get to you know what i mean like your family didn't get to sit beside you when you felt that okay. and yeah it's, it's it's a very cool thing okay. um so are you gonna win the classic or what if Jake's with me, <laughs> no, you know, it's going back to the, you know, like I said, the live scope is just, um, I feel like in 2016, you know, I had, if you're coming, I got a little bit of an advantage, but I really don't in this event. I really don't. It's just going to be, uh, beating 50. How many is in it? 55, beating 54 guys. 54 guys, 55 in total. So 54, yeah. yeah. Got to beat 54 dudes to do it. So I really hope, you know, if 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 I could script it, I we just need something. We need a curveball thrown somewhere in there. If I if I could choose the script, let's, you know, let's have a three-inch rain or or eight degrees the week before or so i just need something to feel like going in that you know i can tell myself these guys have never seen anything like this before so the fishing's going to be good though anything but a big snake hatch anything but a big snake <laughs>
it's going to be a good event. I, I predict that we're going to break the attendance record. Really? Yeah, I do. I really do. Why do you think that? Well, I mean, it always, Tulsa always shows out, but, but is there, I mean, do you hear a lot of hype around it or is it? I think there's more hype than there was, uh, in the previous years that we've had the classic there just, but from my experience of traveling around doing shows and talking to people, there's just a lot of people that, uh, are excited that it's coming and, you know, I, it's hard to compare. I don't know what the BOK can see versus what they can in Hartwell if it's comparable, but they're going to show up and, and they're going to be on the water. You know what I mean? That's just the way it is. And I hope that like I give anything that I have 75 spectators follow me the last day, because that means that I have a chance to win. Like, please let there be 75 spectators follow me the last day. So they're going to be out there. You know, the, the people around here, they fish, they, they live for fishing. They're going to show up. We're going to have a big turnout and it's going to be a really, really good tournament. Yeah. And, and I think that the amount of time has passed that we haven't been there, you know, and I think that's a good thing. Like people saw the classic, enjoyed the classic, but it's been a long, you know what I mean? Relatively speaking. I mean, we did two that were three years apart and then all of a sudden now it's been a bit of a stretch, you know, six, seven years. And and I think he did us a favor by not winning. I think that, I think that it that will build the hype. So, as uh, as uh, a member of Bass, I would love you to have those seventy five spectators following you. Um, but regardless, I know we're gonna have a good time, and uh, I appreciate you doing this, dude. I always have great conversations. I don't really have a direction when we start this. Um, neither, neither do I. Who knew we were gonna talk about snakes? Uh -huh. Do you think it's a good thing that we both opened up about our fear of snakes or do we hang with a bunch of jackasses that are going to try to prank us a bunch? Yeah. That's what scares me about Hackney. Like Hackney watches this and there's no telling what's <laughs> going to end up in my boat this year. Yeah. I wish I could tell you the story. I wish I, but I can't. I, I think you should. I really think you should. Uh, I mean, if, it, if it's too much, I'll cut it out. I promise much but hackney had a really really good prank and it was kind of in the same neighborhood as a snake after uh i caught the big one at at a lay there's oh. just no there's just no telling what he's gonna do after he hears that i don't like snakes at grand there's probably gonna be four or five snakes in the boat i actually know the story you speak of and it is too far it really is and uh i mean I would have cut it out, <laughs> but it was a phenomenal prank. <laughs> now, I should, I shouldn't, I shouldn't throw all of it on Hackney. Some of it was Kobe too. Actually, a lot of it was Kobe. So I want to say 50, 50, but here's the thing. Wasn't Gussie involved a little bit too? Had a little bit Gussie, but Gussie was more on like the 10 to 15% Kobe 40 and then Hackney the rest. But here's the thing is, is. I haven't forgotten, and all of those guys still have one coming. So I will figure out something on Hackney. I got Kobe's figuring out, but I got to figure out something on Hackney. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you'll figure something out. I got two last questions for you, but they're not from me. 
They're from our last guest that was Brandon Polnick. So we started this thing where you can answer a question and you ask a question. So you'll get to ask a question to our next guest without even knowing who our next guest is. So Polnick asked, he's supposed to only ask one, but he asked for two. So I said, okay. And his two questions are, I'll ask you the first one. If you could change anything about yourself, what would it be? I'm looked at Shannon, like, what's she going to say? Um, like on a serious note or just like, a, but you can take it any direction you want. I think on a serious note, I think if I could change one thing about myself is be, uh, more confident in myself. You know what I mean? Really? See, from the outside, you look like Mr. Confidence. Like, dude, when uh, you walk through a tournament meeting, people are like, yeah, but I mean, like going in, I'm always the dude that I go into an event and I'm like, gosh, I just, I haven't had enough bites, you know, and I really don't have enough to go on. And, and I, sometimes it works out. I just like being more confident in, in the things that I, being more positive than negative. Like if I go into a bay and get five bites, I'm, you know, my perception is, gosh, I, you know, that was the only five that live in there. Somebody that was confident would be like, gosh, that was 5% of what live in that bay. I'm going to wreck them tomorrow. That's just not me. You know, it's always the glass is half empty versus half full. If there was one thing I could change is that be the glass is half full versus half empty. Okay. I don't know if you saw this before, before I asked the second part of the question, it just made me think of it. Cause I didn't even think about it till now. I don't know if you've ever seen the video, but the most constant, the most honest person ever. Do you ever see that combine video where they they ask that very question? If you could change one thing, and I don't know who the quarterback was, I will find the video and send it to you. But they said, if you could change one thing about you, what would it be? And the guy's like sick, sinking, and he, he starts laughing. <laughs> and they said, well, what would it be? And he's, well, <laughs> I make my <laughs> bigger. <laughs> So we will beep that up. So, so, I mean, at least they knew he was honest <laughs> because, and I think if you did that, you would be more confident. I mean, you would be more glassful. <laughs> huh? okay. Second, second part of his question was if you could change one thing about the industry in its current state, what would it be? That's a tough one. I want to go with the boring answer. I wish you wouldn't. I don't want to go with that. Don't. No. Come on. Can I ask for, can I phone the phone a friend? Yeah, sure you can. You do make oh, up the what rules. What would your answer be on this? What's one thing that you could change about the industry? Tell her to come on in. I mean, she's almost made appearances on this podcast in the past. Let's make this official. The stories that we have, we got the Hackney story, <laughs> we got the Shannon quick visitation. Alex, what do you got? Anything you would change? He's, Alex says he loves it the way it is. Uh, I think 
I I love how small, like you know how they always, they always say it's it's a small industry. You know, you can't really make a mistake because everybody's gonna, you know, you can't burn a bridge. Yeah. I think it's a double-edged sword. I think it's, I like how small the industry is, but sometimes it's too small. Like, you know what I mean? Like kind of the drama, the ends, like it's just, everybody's up in each other's business. And I, I kind of don't like it. Like sometimes I wish it wasn't as small as what it is. I think that she wants to come on the podcast. Oh, I, 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 the podcast wants her to come on the podcast. Really? I get what she's saying. You know, like sometimes it's just too. So the yeah. industry, is at times this big, but at times it's this big. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then it, you know, it just like. Like people think, like, I mean, I've worked at three companies, Bass Pro, Garmin, and TH. I feel like I know anybody and everybody. And I know, like, you know what I mean? If I need to get in contact with somebody, I know who to call. Like, it's just sometimes, but then it's just, which is good, but sometimes it's too small. I really feel like she wants to be. I, I really, I feel like a future podcast guest right there, industry insider. I mean, I, 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 I would love that to happen, but it seems like it's not going to happen here this evening, is it? Did you hear that? No. It's sponsorships 101. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. I would love to do that. But Alex says he loves it as it is, and that's what's cool. There's a lot of people that don't get involved in this. They love it like it is. Yeah. And that's what keeps me doing what I do. If they love it like it is. I think that's something that people need to remember. And especially this year, there's a lot of people that want to point at things that they don't like about it. Things that they think should be better, bigger, different. It's pretty freaking good. We're going to have the BOK yeah. center is going to be full of people watching somebody weigh in fish. That's pretty freaking good. I get to go catch bass for a living. Yeah. This industry is the best. I mean, from, I mean, as a whole, the in, this industry, I get to go catch bass for a living. And, and yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I get to yell stuff when you do, too. It's fun. And you get to, yeah, you get to do a lot of things. <laughs> Dude, thank you very much for your time. From Dry Creek, Oklahoma, the one and only Jason Christie. Oh, yeah. Okay, bonus. A little teaser for you. Oh, yeah. I think you're going to love the new uh, walk-up music. Really? Uh -huh. Are you going to give me anything more than that? or you're, you're just, you'll, you'll know whenever. You'll know. We, we did a drastic change. I think that just don't do anything crazy when it comes on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. I, I can't wait. It? Oh, yeah. You'll love it. Yeah, you're going to love it. Shanda's like the mystery guest. You just hear in the background. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Are you? <laughs> I'm so nervous right now. Just uh, let's moment of total honesty. Um, this is being recorded before this weekend's game. Uh, uh, let's not even talk about it. Um, but it was fun chatting. <laughs> you like that? I do. I do. Actually, that's where we should have talked. Next podcast, we're going to talk about your trip to crazy. <laughs> Four people went to the game. Three came out. What? Three carried one. Who was the one? Our friend's wife. 
Yeah, well, she had a lot of fun. We had she had to be like carried to the <laughs> that building does things to people. Uh, yeah. I, I once bought a jacket there and didn't even remember. The next morning, I woke up and I'm like, "Well, who bought this ugly jacket? Like, it's the ugliest chief jacket ever." And my wife's like, "You would not say no. Like, you kept saying, I need that jacket. I didn't even remember buying the jacket, but those were those were in times where." Chief didn't give us quite as much to cheer about. Let's hope they do this weekend. Um, if not, all this conversation makes us sound horrible. Um, right. Next next podcast, Sponsorship 101. Uh-huh. All right. Let's do Kelsey. it. Let's do it. goes with Kelsey. <laughs> the one and only Jason Christie. He is the chief. Can't thank Jason Christie enough for... Uh, a great conversation and um who to thunk the most feared man in professional bass angling is scared of snakes but he's not the only one so don't don't judge now i know what you're thinking i get it you're thinking hey you forgot to ask him to ask a question to the next guest and and you're right i did but through technology he texted me one and here it is if you get stranded on a desert island, which three Elite Series pros are you going to have with you to survive and why? A great question that we will ask from next week's guest. But I thank each and every one of you for tuning in to this, the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast called Mercer. Go out there, have a great week, enjoy being, smile, make somebody else's day better, and I can guarantee you, It'll probably make your day better. Until next time, Bob Cobb, take it away. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?